No. Let's turn to Exodus and chapter 33. Because today, this first session... On your card, do you like the light bulb going on? Yeah? Good, eh? So, enjoying his presence. And what I want to do this morning is just to pick up in Exodus one of the great occasions of God's presence. You know, through, through the Old Testament, God, God's presence is there in all sorts of different ways. Abraham receives a visitor, for instance. You know, there's a, there's a tabernacle and a temple. But today we're going to look at an occasion when the presence of God was the subject of Moses' life and desires, when he wanted, most of all, the presence of God. It's a famous passage, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read it because I think it's worth reading the whole passage, although I'll be focusing on a few voice, voices, verses, verses that voice to us what Moses may well have been thinking. And we, we want to see, don't we, the presence of God in this church more and more. And we want to enjoy his presence. And so many people... I think, put God out there and they're very happy for Jesus to be with them and they're very happy for the Holy Spirit, but God, wow. And they forget that God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one and that God the Father is a loving Father. He's not sitting out there waiting to hit you over the head. And so, what we want to see from this passage in Exodus is how Moses would have defined enjoying God, if you like. Enjoying God's presence. Let's, uh, let's read from verse 12 of 33. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you, in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I've found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? So that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. 
And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favour in your sight, O Lord, please... Let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Oh Lord, help us to gain from this something that will always be with us in the future. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, three points. Mm -hmm. 
First one is this, show me your ways. Verse 13, show me your ways that I may know you. Do you see how that keeps repeating? God keeps saying, I know you. He keeps saying that I may know you. And you think, just a minute, you know, Moses, aren't you listening to God? God says he knows you. And Moses keeps saying, I want to know you more. I want to know you better. And that is the first cruncher for us, isn't it? How much do we actually want to know this God? How much do we actually want his presence to descend like that cloud descended on that mountain? How much do we want to know that presence amongst us? There have been a couple of times in my life when I been frightened to open my eyes because I thought I might see the Lord or at least Jesus because the presence of God was so so strong and you know what it was not a frightening experience in the slightest yeah I was scared to open my eyes because you know how it is you think am I supposed to see God you know um am I could I see God is it a vision will I have a vision what what but I was just concentrating on my request to God and God was answering with his presence. And his presence was calming. His presence was satisfying. His presence was rewarding. His presence was loving and gracious. His presence was something that warmed me through and through. And this is what Moses is talking about. Lord, I desire to know you better. I desire to know more of this character that you are. And so, although Moses knew God, like no one in the nation around him knew God, because he would meet with God in the the tent of meeting, and the cloud would descend, and God would talk to him. And so, Almost in a sense, this event is not that special in the sense that he's frequently before God in the tent of meeting. No one else had that privilege. No one else could do it. God said, I speak to Moses like a friend. And yet this was special. This was Moses facing the prospect of not having the presence of God, of leading a people without the presence of God. And so it made it very special that he appealed to God and said, Lord, and note what he says. He says, show me your ways. Show me your ways, verse 13. Let me understand you better, is what he's saying. Let me know you better. Show me your ways. Show me who you really are. Show me how you think. Show me what you do. Show me your ways. Well, you don't do that to someone you're fearful of, do you? Can you imagine? Some hold-up. You know, some gun-toting guy comes in front of you, you know, to hold you up. You don't say to him, oh, please, show me your ways. 
Moses desired to know God better because he knew God was good. He desired to know God better because he knew he was powerful. He desired to know God better because he knew they were the people of God. Therefore, to know the King of Kings better, to experience the presence of God, would be a good thing, a joyful thing, an enjoyable thing. And the Lord's reply in verse 17, show me your ways. The Lord's reply is interesting, isn't it? He says, I know you by name. Names are very important to Hebrews. You know, they they said something about you. Just recently we were at a conference, weren't we, where we had this guy called Surprise Sitoli, you know. So the name Surprise came from, from when he was born. I can't remember what it was. Oh, yes, a mark on his head. Surprise. So he was called Surprise. I mean, fancy having to go to school with a name like Surprise. Imagine the ribbing you're going to get. But that's a British context. In an African context, it just meant something about him. In a Hebrew context, you know, the name meant... When God said, I know you by name, what he meant was, I know you intimately. I know who you are. We come... When the presence of God comes, the presence of God comes to you not to investigate you further. It's not like, you know, there's this spy drone called God who comes, you know, drones around the place spying on us, seeing what we're doing, wondering what we're doing. God knows. And God knows you through and through. He knows you thoroughly. He knows you so well, he knows you by name. It's not that God could call you by name. I had a weird experience. I don't know if I've told you this before. I had a weird experience many years ago when my son Paul was in sixth form and one day I went to pick him up from school and it was after after school rugby or something so it was, it was later and all the kids had gone and I drove in to the car park and got out and wandered around to see if I could find him and suddenly he appeared and as he walked Towards him, someone out in the corner somewhere shouted out, Riggers! Now, I had no idea that that was his nickname. But what I did know was, it was my nickname when I was at school. Riggers! Yeah! Oh, not me, him. It was a really weird experience, deja vu or what. It was amazing. Um, Just caught me in the stomach, you know. It's not that God calls out your nickname because he knows you. To know you by name means God knows you intimately. He knows who you really are. And he wants to be with you. He wants his presence to go with you. And some of us think those two things can never go together. Knowing me completely and still having the presence of God. And what God is saying here is, 
But as you ask the Lord, show me your ways, because it's an unequal knowledge, isn't it? It's an unequal knowledge. He knows you, but we don't know him so well. But he loves to respond to that request and to come and be with us with his presence enveloping you so that you can know him better. So second point is this, show me your glory, verse 18. What a prayer request, eh? So he says, I know you by name. And Moses said, show, please, show me your glory. Please, Pajasta, show me your glory. What a prayer. Have you ever dared pray any prayer like that? God, show me your glory. Moses is, is talking to the Lord. He's used to talking to the Lord. It's not a new experience for him, but this surge of desire must have been something fresh and something new. This surge of desire. Lord, I want to see you in all your glory. Have you ever had such a surge of desire to see God in all his glory? What a prayer request. And God's answer in verse 19 is immediate and straightforward. And he says, yeah, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What's not to like? All God's goodness. I will make all my goodness pass before you. What a wonderful experience that must be, mustn't it? To watch all of God's goodness. I mean, I don't know how you stand in front of God's goodness. This is the good and faithful God. He says, I'll let my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. Here it comes again, the importance of the name. He will say, this is who I am. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and so on. Moses is asking an amazing thing. You know, sometimes we ask things that we think will be amazing, you know. Please, Lord, do a miracle in this situation. Please, Lord, heal this person. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. But God's glory surrounding you, passing before you, being enveloped in the glory of God, that must be truly amazing. You know how words get overused, and I think amazing is one of those words that's overused. If we didn't say it so much, it would have more impact. But we say it a lot. That's amazing. We don't mean it that amazing. We just say, that's amazing. You know, after this meeting, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and a, a cup of tea. I might say, it's amazing. It's an amazing biscuit. It's an amazing cake. I'm really enjoying this amazing food. <coughs> this is truly amazing. This event in Moses' life was truly amazing. I'd love an event like that in my life, wouldn't you? I would just love to have a similar event in my life. 
And in a sense, I have had that privilege a couple of times. But I would love it more. I remember being out on the floor during the Move of the Spirit in the 1990s, doing carpet time, as they called it in those days. And uh, God, just a sense of the presence of God overwhelming me. Overwhelming. The goodness of God passing me by, in a sense. And God's saying, I love you, son. All his goodness passing by. And of course, verse 20, we come to the cruncher. But, but, says God, there's a big but. You can't see my face. For no man will see my face and live. See, to be face to face with God, you need total purity. To be face to face with God requires you to be utterly holy. To be that face to face for sinful man, even Moses, called by God, set apart by God, used by God amazingly, you'd have thought he could have deserved a face to face. Oh no, there is a crunch point where he couldn't go. And this was it. But, verse 21, on you shall see my back. I just... um, One of, the, one of the commentators said, have a look at Psalm 139. And I thought, oh yeah. Sums all this up, really. Psalm 139. O Lord, you searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Do you know God searches out your path? Not to hit you over the head, but to be with you. He reaches out to you. He searches for you. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You head me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven? You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, 
Surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You, your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. And yet that's not the whole story. Because Jesus has come. The Son sent from the Father. In John 14, he says this, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Philip said to him, show us the Father. Jesus, talk about the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Philip was talking to him face to face. In John 12, he says, whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And John, in summing up all of this in right at the beginning when he has this tremendous prologue to the gospel, he says this in verse 18 of chapter 1, no one has ever seen God. Well, of course, Moses has seen God, but not face to face. No one has ever seen God face to face. But God, who is at the Father's side, who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus, who is God? Who is at the Father's side? He has made him known. There is a uniqueness about Jesus. He made the Father known. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He had a relationship with the Father. He expressed the Father to the world around him. He was, when you look at Jesus, you look at the Father. When you look in the face of Jesus, you look in the face of God. Paul sums it up like this, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. No, now we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, talking about 
the future we will have, our future. But then, face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. There comes a time which we hope for, which we stand for, which we will receive our inheritance. There comes a time when we will see him face to face. And as as John says in 1 John, when we see him, we shall be like him. There will be this face to face encounter. But there's always been this mismatch, like we said about Moses. You know, Moses wanted to know more of God. He knew God knew him intimately and totally. God knows you by name, Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can I know him better? Can we make this mismatch better? Can somehow I reach towards more of an understanding of God himself, who he is, the goodness, the faithfulness? God says, yes, I will show you my goodness, because I'm a faithful God. And now our hope is that there will come a day when we will see and we will know. Like today, we are fully known by God already. He knows you intimately already. There's no secrets. He knows who you are. He knows how you think. He knows your desires and hopes and dreams. He knows everything about you and there will come a day when you will know fully. When you know the Father fully. See, Jesus has made a way, an entrance in, because he has given us his righteousness. And his righteousness enables us to walk in to the Holy of Holies. His righteousness, given to us by grace, given to us freely by God himself. This righteousness, this exchange of our sin for his righteousness enables us to do what Moses could not do. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? It's a wonderful story of Moses standing there and... God putting him, he says, stand on this rock. And God comes and picks him up and plonks him in a cleft and sticks his hand over. And then he walks past. I can't stretch my arm very much back that way. If I let go, you might see my face. I'm sure God could manage it somehow. It's a a wonderful story, isn't it? And a wonderful picture. And, uh, you know, when I first heard it and thought about it when I was a kid, it really impressed me. It really impressed me. That God was so awesome. And yet he would do that. You can't see my face, Moses, but by God, Golly, I'm going to show you as much of the rest of me as I can. You see, it's not that we should fear God. 
in these circumstances, when the descent of the cloud of glory comes, when we're in a meeting where the glory of God is evidently in the room, when you know God is here, whoa! It's not, oh dear, let's run for the exit. It is wonderful to know the King of Kings surrounding us, being with us. And one day we will know that fully. We will understand all sorts of stuff we don't understand now. But what Moses could not do on this this occasion, when he is in glory, he could. There's a mount of transfiguration and there's Jesus and there's these guys and Moses knew the face of God. What an honour, what a privilege, what an awesome thing, what a wonderful thing to know that the steadfast love of God can be expressed to now, expressed to us now, even though we don't see him. But it's expressed to us through the Spirit of God who lives with us, expressed to us through his presence coming through the Spirit in meetings like this, expressed to us in his love and mercy and faithfulness. You know him. You know him. And you love him. Who made an end to all our sin. Lord, we just pray for more of your presence. Thank you for this series. And over the next five, four or five weeks, Lord, we pray that you will come, not just in the preaching, but in the worship. Dwell amongst us, Lord. Show us your goodness. That we might have everlasting joy. In Jesus' name, amen.